Welcome to a brand new episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, Nick Wojden from Bills Wire chimes in on what's going on with the Bills ahead of this Sunday's matchup. Also, we check in on this week's press conferences as the Chiefs are riding high after a big win on Monday night against the Las Vegas Raiders. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from the Week 5 victory over the Raiders? You know, I think the biggest thing for me was like, you know, this version of the Chiefs, they're fully bought in, right? Because you're down 17 to nothing in the second quarter. That's like a pretty bleak outlook um, in a game. And there really aren't many teams out there that can overcome that deficit and come back and win. We've seen Patrick Mahomes obviously lead the Chiefs to many comeback wins in the past. Like he's... It's, it's something that he's been particularly successful at uh, during his career, obviously during 2019 uh, playoff run and whatnot. <clears throat> but that was a long time ago. This is a very different roster, many new players. So, like Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling, um, he said that at no point did, did anyone believe that they weren't going to come back and win that game. Like, everyone thought, hey, like, we're down 17-0. We're going to come back and win it. Defense, offense, special teams, everybody. Coaches, everybody. So, it just feels like if this team can do that, they can accomplish it all. Like, they can go all the way. That's the type of stuff that propelled, you know, this Chiefs team to a Super Bowl win back in Super Bowl LIV. So um, I I just, uh, it makes me think, hey, they can do it again. That, that's really what stood out to me in, in this win. And uh, I mean, it's coming against a team that like, this team, this Raiders team was desperate to get a win against Kansas City. Like that is what all the players, that's what the head coach was brought in to do. They were brought in to beat Kansas City. They were desperate for a win. And they pulled out all the stops, and they still couldn't do it. So, I mean, that that's just, um, to me, that that shows that, like, hey, it, this team's legit. They, they have a chance. They have a shot to go all the way. Do you believe the Chiefs are constantly on the short end of referee calls? Huh, that's I mean, that's a tough one. I wouldn't say constantly, but last week there were obviously, and the Raiders probably, you know, felt they were on the short side of, of some calls, too. And the Chiefs clearly were. But, I mean, I think that's just the nature of officiating as it currently is in the National Football League. Like, there are going to be bad calls just because there are no checks and balances for these officials. Like, first of all, they can't say even after the game whether they made the right or the wrong call. They just have to – they're only allowed to explain why they made the call that they explained. So that, for one, like, there's no accountability when they do make a bad call. But – I mean, most penalties aren't reviewable. So, like, in the instance of the roughing the passer penalty on Chris Jones, like, I just don't know how you can ask Carl Sheffers to properly officiate that play in real time. Like, there is, even with all the officials they have on the field, like, it's very tough to to be able to see, like, every bit of that and confer and and get that call right in a timely manner. So, I mean, and, and... you know, it's hard for, for any official to see that Jones braced himself 
so as to not fall with his full body weight on Derek Carr. And even so, as Jones said, he's a 325-pound man. Like, there's going to be some body weight that, that gets onto him, even if he does brace himself. There's only so much he can do to stop gravity. But you could see in the replay that he did put his arm out to brace, in which case it shouldn't have been called roughing the passer. If it was called for the body weight rule, it's very distinct in the rule book, which has been shared around out there. Uh, I, I believe many people have seen it, but it's very distinct that it says it shouldn't be roughing if they put their, their arm out to uh, to brace themselves to not fall with their full body weight on. So there's no way to see that unless that play is reviewable. Now, I've always been an advocate for the NFL implementing a sky judge, uh, someone who can af- confer with the officials on the field and overturn penalties. And uh, frankly, I think most of the bad penalties that we've seen this season in the NFL, those would be reversed if they had a sky judge working to review. And, and I know people are like, oh, well, it's going to add time to games and yada, yada. If you have a sky judge there, all right, he's working simultaneously with the crew to get that call correct as soon as it happens, right? So I don't think it would add more time to the games. I don't think that's a problem. But it just feels like the NFL kind of has like this ego here, almost like the MLB does when it comes to balls and strikes, right? Like they have the resources and ability to actually tell you whether something is a ball or a strike, okay? But um, it, it's just, it's a no-nonsense solution. But for whatever reason, they're like, you know, officiating's always been this way, has to be this way moving forward. And I, I just think it's a, a stubborn opinion. Uh, on behalf of the league. And I know that there's enough conversation about this right now and further, um, you know, out from from it happening. And, the, and then the, also, you know, the, um, the play in the Falcons-Buccaneers game as well, Tom Brady. Um, like, this is something they're going to look at. I, I just don't trust that they're going to make the right decision to change things here. So um, are we going to still see these kind of boneheaded uh, roughing the passer calls? in the future i think we are i mean obviously they're doing a lot to protect the quarterback and they need to um but i i still feel like there's more they can do to make this game the game that you know everyone knows and loves on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball there's a way to protect quarterbacks while also getting this right so that's um that's how i feel on that and you know i do are they on the short end of referee calls yeah i'm sure They were last week. They will be moving forward, as will every other team. Should the Chiefs be concerned with the offensive line heading into week six? Yeah, I'm not sure that that fans should be concerned. Obviously, they missed missed Trey Smith last week against the Raiders. Um, And the offensive line just didn't get off to a great start. And, you know, sometimes that's going to happen. You know, Orlando Brown Jr., he got worked by Chandler Jones a few times. Andrew Wiley was struggling with Max Crosby, especially on the inside move. I mean, he had no answer for that. And I think this week, I mean, you have to be cognizant of that stuff from the get-go because the Pills have a really, really good defensive front. Like, they're going to try to replicate some of what the Raiders did early in Week 5, I think. And, you know, the Chiefs have to be aware of that and prepared for that. Um, and, and, you know, they adjusted really well. By by the second quarter, like, they didn't even wait for halftime. By the second quarter, they were making some key adjustments. I mean, they realized with, with Kelsey getting mauled at the line of scrimmage anyways, they're like, hey, let's use him to slow down the pass rush a little bit. And that worked um, over there on the left side and on the right side. And uh, they used Jarek McKinnon more frequently because he's the team's best pass-protecting running back. Like, he's a guy who's going to, like, hang in there, make a tough block, 
and give Patrick Mahomes more time. So I, I think you're going to see a little bit more of that earlier this week because, you know, the Chiefs are going to have to kind of know that, hey, like, like these are kind of some of our weaknesses. Our, our tackles maybe aren't, um, you know, as as good on an island as we think they are. So, um, you know, can they improve and can they get better? Absolutely. Should the Chiefs fans be concerned? I, I think this is still really one of the best offensive lines in the league. Obviously, the interior uh, is stellar, but, you know, um, you're, you're just not going to find, you know, on the 32 teams, you're not going to find many upgrades over uh, over Wiley and, and Orlando Brown uh, this year, I don't think. And, you know, next year could be a different story. Maybe they can find some better guys next year, but right now I think this is the best you're going to get. Is this the best Travis Kelsey has looked in his career? Man, uh, that's a tough one. It's hard to say just because – He's been so good for so long, right? Like, he's going on, what, is this going to be sixth, seventh consecutive 1,000-yard receiving uh, season if he reaches it? So, I mean, I think there's more of a spotlight on him right now, um, you know, that Tyree Kill is no longer here. But, I mean, he's a guy who's made this offense tick for a while, but it's very clear that he's the guy who's making it tick right now. Like, um you know, it, even when he's not having the ball directed to him, he is impacting the play tremendously. I mean, he was acting as a decoy for a lot of plays last week, just taking a ton of attention, sometimes double covered, sometimes, you know, triple cover. They shaded the safety over to his side. They had two guys covering him off the line of scrimmage. Um, so, you know, he's taking a lot of attention, and that allows a lot of one-on-one matchups for other guys, and they got to be able to win those. And we saw last week it was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He was the guy who won him. Uh, you know, Juju won him a couple times, but he had a case of the dropsies. So, and then even Cole, We saw Cole Hardman make some key plays there as well. So, um, and, and you saw last week how desperately the Raiders were trying to take him away. They are you know, like, like – uh, like Pat said, they were hitting him with the old New England strategy, you know, just mauling him at the line of scrimmage. They put put a defensive end over him to try to slow him out of his release. Uh, they did it all. They did everything imaginable for about, like, 80 yards worth of the field. But then you get to the red zone, and, and they really struggled to cover him. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs were doing some nice things to get him open. And I think it was also just his veteran savvy, you know, uh, just the ability to know – you know, like, hey, this is what they're doing to me. This is what I can do to, to get open and, uh, and and to find my chances and, and, you know, capitalize on them when I get them, right? I mean, I think in the red zone in particular, you know, you look back to that touchdown that he missed against the Colts, and uh, he's been really working since then to ensure that when he's targeted in, in the end zone, he's going to catch that thing, and it's going to be a touchdown. Ask Chiefs Wire. Greg Patrick asks... What do you expect the running back rotation to look like moving forward? Well, uh, that's that's a good question. I mean, I touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, I, I do think against these teams that have two really good edge rushers, we're going to see a lot more Jarek McKinnon. Uh, he's obviously he's just the best pass protector um, that that the team has, and that's just that's really valuable with how much uh, we throw the ball. So, and, and then obviously, I mean, I think. Edward Solari, like, he's been solid this season. I, I know that, you know, a lot of Chiefs fans have some sort of bone to pick with him, but um, he's he's been really good. He's uh, I think he's still second on the team in scrimmage yards. Um, so, like, the passing game, he's been very solid. Um, 
So I expect we'll see, you know, more of him um, moving forward. Pacheco, I think he's going to be utilized kind of on a week-to-week basis, it feels like. We've kind of seen, you know, what what that looks like. If they give him a couple carries and he can get going, um, you know, and they can feed him in a hot hand type of situation, then they'll do that. But um, I, I think, you know, to expect him on the field with with any regularity right now unless there's an injury is is kind of a mistake and then you know one thing to consider now is that the team added uh wayne gallman to the practice squad so what does that mean for for ronald jones like is ronald jones someone who could be a trade uh a trade candidate come november 1st that's when the trade deadline is it's right around the corner i i think after being like a healthy scratch for five weeks he'd request a trade like, if he wants to be playing, he doesn't want to be inactive, like, I, I think he needs to find another team. And, yeah, I think maybe a team like the Arizona Cardinals, maybe they're, like, a, a team that could be interested. They've got some attrition at the running back position right now they're currently dealing with. Um, they just had to sign two guys to the practice squad this past week. So, you know, if they don't get healthy uh, quickly, maybe, you know, the Chiefs are calling them next week, the week after, like, hey, you know, want to send us a late-round pick for, for this guy or conditional pick for this guy? I, I think that's something to, to look at moving forward because I, I just don't expect him to see much action in Kansas City unless there's an injury. Ask Chiefs Wire. Jennifer asks, will Harrison Butker and Trent McDuffie play in Week 6? You know, I get the sense that the team is hopeful that both will play. Um, we, we know they both practiced to start the week on Wednesday. McDuffie, obviously designated to return from injured reserve, but that doesn't mean he's back. He still needs to be activated to the 53-man roster. That just means his practice window is open. They have 21 days to activate him uh, or keep him on injured reserve, which that, that, would, be a, a, that would be a problem. I, I think they'll end up activating him this week, but we'll see. You know, it's really going to come down to how each player responds to that first practice, right? We saw Butker get a limited practice a few weeks ago, and then he had a setback, right? He had the limited practice, then he didn't practice for for the next couple games, next couple uh, practice sessions, didn't play in the next couple games. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, can he get a couple of days consecutive without any issues? That's going to be the key for, for Butker. And then with McDuffie, I mean, Andy Reid said he was going full speed in rehab. So I have to assume that he'll be ready to go and, and also anxious to get back out there after missing some time. And they really need him this week, too, with uh, Rashad Fenton's dealing with the hamstring injury himself. And then Chris Lammons has a, a hip pointer, and he's sitting out practice. So they're already down, you know, two of their guys. Uh, if McDuffie couldn't go, you're looking at um, Josh Williams probably filling in uh, at outside cornerback, and, and you know he was in the game on the biggest play last week uh, when with Devonte Adams that last play in coverage, and he he hit him with nice press uh, technique at the line of scrimmage, and held him up enough that it it altered that route. That was the reason that uh, that that Hunter Renfro ran into um, <clears throat> ran into Adams on that route is because of the jam that that Williams hit him with at the line of scrimmage. So. I, I mean, I think that was good, and, you know, we'll we'll just see. We'll see what happens with McDuffie, but I, I think they'll be good either way, no matter what happens. Um, but it would be ideal if they could get both Butker and McDuffie back out there this week. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from this past week? Yeah, uh, tons and tons of great stuff 
on the website this week. Obviously, um, lots to recap from the come from behind win against the Raiders. My personal favorite was the Travis Kelsey Al Bundy article. I mean, I set out to write just about his weird stat line, which was seven catches for 25 yards and four touchdowns. Just a bizarre stat line. And I noticed a lot of people have been tweeting at Kelsey about how the, the married with children character also had four touchdowns in a single game. Um, so that was that was fun to write about, man. But uh, obviously, we've we've got plenty uh, on the controversial Chris Jones penalty. Ed Ed's got a great article out right now uh, on on his uh, from his Travis Kelsey interview, uh, where Kelsey talks about the new Heights show, his podcast with his brother. Everyone really expects him like, hey, he's going to be a broadcaster in the future. He's got it. But like maybe a little something tells me like you know a little Omaha Productions in uh, in Kelsey's future and his brother's future maybe you know they might have a little media empire of their own in the works here food for thought um obviously tons of uh preview content coming your way next few days ahead of an important week six game uh against the buffalo bills and uh, as always uh thank you guys so much for, for reading and listening we couldn't do it without your support uh if you want to submit a, a question for for me to answer here on the chiefs wire podcast you can email us at chiefswiremailbag at gmail.com. Uh, also, just look out. We put out some posts on social media when we're taking questions. But we've been getting a lot of emails, actually. So thank you guys for that. And uh, you know what we say now. Go Chiefs! Hey, Nick. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, let's get started with uh, who are the players you'd like to highlight on the Bills' offense? Hey, Ed. What's going on, man? Um, yeah, three players to uh, highlight on the Bills' offense. I think it's pretty clear who to start with. Um, we got to go Josh Allen. Bills go where Josh Allen takes them. Uh, that's simple to see. And you guys are kind of familiar with such a kind of, you know, offensive scheme. You guys seem to go where Pat Mahomes takes you as well. So, um, yeah, the Bills go where Josh Allen takes them. He's off of a career-high 424 passing yards last week, which is really incredible because he didn't even play the whole game. He got 300 yards in the first half, I believe. I think it was 300 on the dot, actually, somewhere close to around there, at least. And then they pulled him, and, yeah, without even a full game, he goes uh, goes three or 424, pardon. And, uh, yeah, uh, the, the Bills are going to latch themselves to him. Uh, run game, pass game, uh, run game being potentially, you know, just the short dump off passes that they kind of throw in there instead of a run game that they kind of don't really have. But uh, yeah, Josh Allen's got to be the top of the list. Second, I'm going to go Stefan Diggs. And the reason why I'm going to give Stefan Diggs a little love this time is because the past week we've been seeing a ton of love for Gabe Davis and, and certainly uh, deservedly so. Gabe got off to a slow start this year. Well, he had a big game against the Rams in week one. Then he hurt his ankle been a little wobbled since then, hasn't been productive. And then last week, 98-yard touchdown, I think 62, 64-yard touchdown, three catches, 171 yards, and two touchdowns, almost like a Randy Moss-type game, you know. He's getting a lot of love this week, Gabe Davis. But the reason why I'm going to bring up Diggs a little bit is because of Gabe, because it's just, it's almost hilarious to me that uh, a lot of people in Buffalo were forgetting to look one notch down on the box score. Uh, Stefan Diggs still had an over 100-yard game. We're still just so used to him producing that when he gets a 100-yard game, we kind of just overlook it. So, yeah, that's where I'm going to go with uh, Stefan Diggs there. Give him his, he gets plenty of love, but we're going to give him a little love for last week too. And then finally, I'll go with the former uh, former Chiefs guy, uh, Mitch Morse. 
Um, the offensive line last week for the Bills, they played their best game to date against the Steelers. Um, one QB hit, hit given up between Allen and uh, Case Keenum, who went in afterwards to, to mop up. Uh, Devin Singletary, the running back, uh, he, he averaged a seven-yard carry for the Bills, which is rare. The Bills usually don't get a lot going on the ground either. Um, but uh, I'm going to go with just Mitch Morris's kind of – He's the, the leader, the anchor a little bit of, of that offensive line, and, and they had their best game to date. He also just came back from an elbow injury himself, so maybe his health, a little bit improved health, uh, just helped out this offensive line. But, yeah, the Bills, especially against the Chiefs, are going to need a, a much better performance out of their whole team, the offensive line included. And even though the Steelers, they didn't have T.J. Watt, but, you know, they still got Cam Hayward, Highsmith. They had some good players coming at him, and the Bills handled them well. And who are the players you'd like to highlight on the defense? And yeah, jumping over to the defense, uh, three players. I'm going to go start off with, uh, you know, we start off with the quarterback before, so we'll start off with the quarterback of the defense, uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, there's been a ton of talk, and we're going to get to this part of the defense next here, but the Bills added a lot to their defensive line, specifically pretty much to go up against the Chiefs, a lot of people are saying, but, you know, it's a long season. Good defensive line helps against everyone. But the the positive player, the increase in, in productivity from the defensive line has really allowed the Bills linebackers to play a lot better, both Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. They, they're having great years, but we're going to highlight Edmonds just a little bit more because he's coming back from a hamstring injury himself, and I think that that's going to be a big jolt in the Bills defense. Um, Terrell Dodson filled in for him last week, had a team high 11 tackles, but uh, yeah, just getting back that leader in the middle of your defense certainly will pay dividends and uh going on to number two um tease the defensive line but not gonna go with the guy you're thinking of i know you're thinking of von miller but we'll go over to the other side of the line and go greg Rousseau, former first round pick of the bills last week he actually had a law lull his first game this season without a sack yeah he's actually doing that well a uh, little bit a little bit quiet because you know you got a guy with uh, I don't know, the Hall of Fame-ish resume, I think we can agree on that Von Miller has. And uh, he's getting a lot of the, a lot of the spotlight, deservedly so. Von's playing great, but uh, Von's play, it, it's it's reminiscent, reminiscent of when the Bills got Mario Williams back in the day in his prime. Uh, is what happened there is, uh, you know, you throw a guy on the other side of the defensive line, it sort of opened things up for uh, Gary Hughes, who is the Bills' best pass rusher for a very long time. He just departed this past offseason. But a lot of attention is going to Von Miller, deservedly so again, and that's along Greg Rousseau. He's had, a, he's had a sack, at least a sack, half a sack in every single game this year, except last week. Of, of course, maybe if he would have stayed in the whole game, that could have changed. They pulled many of the starters because, you know, 38-3, to three, you guys have been in those games as well. So, uh, yeah, and, and and again, I'm going to kind of round out, you know, nothing against Mitch Morris, but the offensive line, it's, uh, you know, it, it could have been better. But a guy in defense who needs to be better, uh, Kyir Elam, the first-round rookie of the Bills. Um, Tredavis White's back at practice this week, but not going to play. Uh, a little bit of a bummer. Uh, he'll be back when, um, you know what, I'll say it, when, they, when the Bills and Chiefs inevitably meet, you know, later on this year, probably in the postseason, as we're so accustomed to now. Um, Tredavis White will be back, excuse me, then. But uh, Kyrie Elam, he, he, he had a rough go last week. Uh, he had his first career interception. But when you were playing the likes of Kenny Pickett in your first start, in his first start, pardon me, um, and he targets you 13 times and you give up 10 catches um, and I think 126 yards it was, according to uh, PFF. Yeah, uh, Kyrie Elam, he's, he's got to be better because I can only imagine that, uh, you know, Pat Mahomes is going to be a little bit better than Kenny Pickett in his first career start. And finally, what is your prediction for the game? 
Um, you know, I'm not not always a homer. Uh, Bills wire followers will tell you that. I like to keep it real. Um, I said last week I thought the Steelers were going to cover. I mean, that was you know 14 and 14 and a half. I think it got up to uh, Bills favorite. That's a huge number. You know, I said I said maybe take those numbers. Mike Tomlin's been around since 2007. That was the largest spread or underdog he's ever been. And um, yeah, uh, the Bills made me look silly there. So I don't know if I owe them or what, but yeah, I'm gonna go with the Bills in this one. As I was just teasing, uh, I we all want to have fun regardless. You know, if you you, you want to put me in a you know gun to the head, uh, you know, 31, 27, something around there. I think it's gonna be a close one. And really, the biggest thing uh, for me is uh, I don't have to tell Kansas City that uh, Tariq Hill is good at football. Um, he's 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 very good. And uh, you guys are well aware of that. And in Buffalo, I feel like we're well aware that he plays really good football against the Bills specifically. And of course, he's not there. So that's giving me a little, maybe the Bills can focus a little bit more on Travis Kelsey, slow down that offense a little bit. And the Chiefs defense is playing better too. I guess it seems as here, just like the Bills defense is. But um, yeah, just just for that reason, I'm leaning more towards the Bills. And of course, uh, by the time we get into the uh, later months of the year, potentially, um, maybe maybe we'll see how the form is. And and I have I have uh, I have picked the Chiefs with you guys on some of our chats before and, and some of these previous uh, matchups. But this time I'm gonna go gonna go with our uh, our uh, Buffalo Bills over here. Uh, the other great quarterbacks in the league, you always want to win. You always want to compete. Um, Josh is a great guy. I mean, uh, he's a great quarterback, uh, physically talented, can throw, can run, can really do it all. Um, but he's a, he's a great dude too. And so, uh, obviously, when we're on the football field, we were competing against each other, and we want to we want to beat beat each other's teams. Um, but I have a ton of respect for him and the player and person that he is. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think back to the game of Yeah, I mean, I think to me it was just. It was battling through adversity. I was finding a way to win no matter what it took. I mean, that's a great football team. still a great football team. And uh, we know it's going to come down to the wire every single time we play them. Um, and so to, to see the guys respond, even when it kind of looked like it was all over, um, it, that's something that you'll always have. Now you have a good record when you, your team is the Chiefs have fallen behind early in games by a bunch of points like the other night. What changes for you in those situations? Yeah, I mean, you have to have urgency. And you, know, you try to have urgency from the beginning of the game, but, I mean, it even gets uh, upped whenever you're, you're down like that. You know you have to kind of put points on the board. You have to kind of press the issue. Um, and um, I, I think our team responds well to that. Um, that's something that I, I've done uh, done in my career so far. And, I mean, I played in the Big 12, and you always seem like you had to score points. So it's uh, something I've done in my entire career. And what, what is roughing the passer in this day and yeah, I mean it's it's something where they're they're trying to protect protect the quarterbacks. I mean, they they they're trying to find the right medium of protecting those guys, protecting us, um, at the, but at the same time letting us letting everybody play football. Um, and obviously this last week was in a, a small window, a, a bad week as far as roughing the passer penalties. Um, but if you look at the whole grand scheme of things, I think it's they've done a pretty good job at it, and I'm sure they'll learn from this and 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 continue on the rest of the season and get even better at it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this week's episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast. If you have any suggestions or thoughts, please make sure to follow us on Twitter at The Chiefs Wire. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next week.